looking at the really the subject of compromise is what we've been looking at. Compromise. That's a big deal for us, isn't it? To compromise. Right? It's the, listen, it's the easiest thing to do. The path of least resistance is just to say yes to the flesh and yes to the world. Easy. You don't even have to think about it, right? It's the most it's the simplest thing to do. But it is the most unsatisfying. It is the most unfulfilling. And it, and it brings about the most destruction in the life of a believer, right? That's the worst place to be. And so we're going to be challenged through these lessons, and we have been, uh, not to compromise. And one of the ways to help us not to compromise is to recognize where the temptation to compromise in the areas where it comes from, right? We've been looking here in, in our text, and in, in the first one that we saw was this temptation to conform, to conform to the world. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 2, 17, 6, 17, come out from among them and be ye separate, say the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you unto myself. You know, we're told not to, to separate from the world. All of the Bible, you look through the Old Testament, you look through all of these, of, of the, the, the dietary laws and the, and the dress laws and the food laws and all of these things, they, they, had, they had some, they all had their applications, but one of the bigger overarching things was God wanted his people separate from the world. He wanted them to be his children. How, how many of you, have, uh, with, when you had children growing up and you're, they're about to go out of the house and do something, you said, uh-uh, why? Because you don't want them, you don't want them doing what the neighbor's doing. They're a bunch of yahoos over there. You're not going to act like that. You're not going to talk like that. You're not going to look like that. You're not going to go there. You're not going to, you know, why? Because <clears throat> they are your children, right? And, and you don't want them to be like those children over there, right? And so God, listen, where do we get that from? Well, we get it from God, it's, right? I mean, he wants his children separate, separate from the world. And one of the temptations that we have in this life, which brings bondage to it, is conformity to this world. Conformity to the world brings bondage. You get controlled by it. Oh, it's a heavy chain and it's a heavy weight to try to keep up with the world. Try to try to kind of conform and not look so weird, right? That's the isn't that the thing? Well, I don't want to look weird. I don't want I don't want to sound dumb. I, I don't want to when the jokes go or when the when they talk about this movie or that movie or that TV show or whatever. And I don't know about. It, I don't want to feel like like I'm just like a dummy and some weirdo that doesn't know what's going on, right? Really? <laughs> yeah. There, there will come a time when those things are allowed into your life and mind. There will come a day when you wish they weren't. Because then you go, oh, I wish that wasn't there. Oh, I wish that wasn't in my mind. Oh, I wish that wasn't, you know what I mean? You'll have all of these things. And that we have a temptation to conform to this world. We have a temptation to conform to the lifestyle of this world. We have a temptation to compromise, to compromise, right? You get saved and you, you begin learning the Word of God and you build some foundational things in your life and you, you know and you understand how a child of God should act and how we should live and the Bible word is conversation, our lifestyle. We understand that. Have you ever noticed it's amazing how sometimes the lost, unregenerate world knows better how you should live as a Christian biblically than you do? They're like, oh, I didn't know Christians did that. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're getting so far away from any semblance of godliness that even the world doesn't have a clue. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But it used to be they're like, oh, you drink? I don't know. I don't know Christians drink. <laughs> well, actually, you're right. Yeah. 
Oh, you do this? I didn't know Christians. I didn't think Christians did. I didn't think Christians said that word. I didn't think Christians uh, had bad days. Well, obviously, you know, that's, that's not true. But, right. No, but they had this perception, and it's strange how often the perception of the world of, of how a child of God should live is, is more accurate than sometimes what the child of God himself uh, understands. And it's a shame that that's true sometimes. But we are tempted to compromise. We have all of these things in our life. We have, uh, we have been building upon uh, the word of God. We've been conforming ourselves to the image of Christ. We've been going along and eventually Satan comes along and says, oh, come on, seriously? The world comes along and says, that's a, you went a little too far. Now, okay, I get this. But man, that's just, now you're getting into being a weirdo, right? Now you're going to be a fanatic. I I get church on Sunday, but what's this Saturday thing? What's this Thursday night thing? What's this special meeting thing? What mission, what mission, missions, mission, what's missions? What are you talking about? You know, you guys are just nuts. They get you to compromise, right? And that's a temptation from Satan to compromise. A third temptation from Satan is, is to corrupt, is to divide families. This is a big one right here. I know many of us in the room, uh, the children are out of the house. I, I understand that. And uh, they, uh, you've uh, uh, done your time. <laughs> is that the right word? You've done your time? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you have done what you could, when you could, where you could, and where you were with the Lord at the time. And... Um, and uh, but to some maybe out there and some may be watching or listening online or whatever and uh, you still have children in the home and I tell you one of the greatest temptations of Satan is to divide a family to divide a family divide a children and uh, Exodus 10 and verses 8 and 9 essentially what Pharaoh told Moses was go ahead and go but leave your children here leave your little ones here go do your God thing Go do your worship thing, but don't bring the kids along with you. And that happens, right? That happens in homes. It happens when it's like, well, I know we've left it up to the kids whether they want to come to church or not. Seriously? Right? You probably make them sit at the table for hours until they eat their vegetables. But then you say, well, whether you want to come to church or not, that's your decision, right? No, that, that is a... That is a that is a tool of Satan. It is a temptation of Satan to divide the home. And, uh, and, and they may say, well, they, they may, may become bitter about it. Well, it's probably not the church that they become bitter about. It might be you they become bitter about in your ungodly, unchristian uh, way you've lived in your life. It might not be. L- listen, I, I say this all the time. People say, well, this happened and that happened and this happened. And I'll say, well, did God tell them to do that? Now, that would be an issue with this inconsistency that they've seen in a life somewhere that causes them to kind of want to run away from God. It'd be one thing if God's, you know, God was the inconsistency, but it's not God who's the problem. It's us who's the problem and who give a wrong picture many times of who God is, right? I'm saying God didn't say that. God didn't tell you to do that, tell them to do that. God didn't say that, right? But division of families. Satan loves to tempt us, you know, to divide and let the kids think about, you know, they, they can have their own opinions. We looked at that last week. We looked at last week or two weeks or whatever it was, how when Karl Marx said pretty much, give me your children, you know, give me the kids and we'll educate them. We'll pay for it and we'll take care of them. The state will take care of your children. You give us our, your kids. And that's, that's what we've done in our own country, given, given the kids to the state. Remember Hillary Clinton's book, takes a village to raise a child? No, it doesn't. It does not. 
Yeah. And uh, it, t it takes a, a godly mother and father to raise a child and ra raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's what it takes. So he, the temptation is to corrupt. The temptation is to divide and uh, to divide uh, families, leave your family behind. But today I want to look at this. Today I want to look at the temptation to concede, to concede. Look at Exodus chapter 10 and look at verse 24. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed, let your little ones also go with you. So now Pharaoh has, okay, he said, okay, fine, you can take the kids, you can take your wives, you can take your children, your whole family can go, you can go out and do your little God thing out in the wilderness, that's fine, but uh, leave your flocks and your herds. Do you notice here at every point that Pharaoh said, no, do this, do this, do this. Uh, Moses said, no, we're not going to do that. I like that. You know, th that needs to be some grit in us as children of God to have this grit that, we're, that we are convinced of the word of God. We are convinced of what God told us to do, that there's just some things in our life that we're just going to say, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going that way. No, we're not going to partake of that. No, we're not doing this. Uh, we, this is uh, uh, fill in your last name. You know, we are Healy's. We're not doing this. We are, you know, we are, put it your last name there. We're just, we're not going there. We're not doing this. We're not doing that thing, right? There just needs to be some grit, man. This is what Moses did. This is what Aaron, Aaron did. They, they said, no, we're not doing that. God said, no, right? Conviction. Look at that. Remember that? Naboth, conviction. Conviction. Joseph, conviction, right? How could I do this great sin against God? And here is Moses. We need that today. We need more of that today, of that, of that con conviction. And so, so as, as Moses was saying no to Pharaoh over and over and over again, this last thing came from, from Pharaoh was to this, this temptation to concede, to concede. All right. Have your wife, have your kids, leave the animals here. What were the animals? I know, I know kind they probably were, probably, you know, sheep, right? But what, what were they in this, in this story here, in these events here? What were they but possessions? Okay, we might say it this way today, money. Money. Our things, our stuff. Yeah, stuff. That's a Bible word. Did you know that? David told them after Ziklag, stay by the stuff. I like that. Stuff. Bunch of, I call it sometimes junk. <laughs> That's my stuff. How many have storage units? Anybody have a storage unit full of what? Junk. <laughs> What'd you say? Junk. Stuff. Our things, right? Our things. I, I, oh, I shouldn't go here. I shouldn't. Maybe I won't. I wonder how much extra stuff we would have if we understood it all belonged to God. You know, we just accumulate a lot of stuff, don't we? You, you ever look at a storage unit and you're saying, I'm paying for this? Now, sometimes you get into it. Oh, we've moved too many times, so we still have storage units. And sometimes it's like Christmas, right? It's like we don't even need to do Christmas. I'm like, I'm finding stuff we forgot we even had, and this is exciting. I didn't know we had this. Yes, it's great. 
And I say, yeah, we don't need to do Christmas. And of course, somebody's like, no, we, you can't do that. I say we should wrap it all and give the grandkids. They would love it. They would never know. That's an awesome idea. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Stuff. Things. Possessions. Things that have a monetary value to them. Some things that we had to labor and work most of it. Uh, some things get given to us, but we had to labor and work to earn money to go buy them. We have things. Right? Things that have value. Things that we value. Watch, Pharaoh is telling here to Moses and Aaron, go ahead, go out with everything you got, but leave your money back behind in Egypt. Can I tell you what? If your money stays in Egypt, there's going to be a part of your heart there too. If you Listen, if you don't bring it all out with you, there's going to be a piece of you staying there. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you don't bring it all out, I'm telling you, you're going to have part of your heart still anchored to this world. If all of our money, if all of our things, if all of our stuff doesn't belong to God, if we don't give it over to Him, if we don't bring it out with Him, I'm telling you, you're going to be torn. You're going to be pulled in back into this world in many different ways. Many of you who have been in Christ long enough, you know this is true, don't you? You know it's true. You know that God needs all of it. Satan says, you know, sell out to God. Go ahead and sell, all, sell it all out to him, but not all the way. Right? You earn that money. That's yours. Um, I know nobody in this room thinks that. But just in case somebody does, can, I, can, you, can you please help me understand where your breath came to breathe every day? to go make that money that you made or the physical ability in your body came to get up and make the money that you think you make every day where the brain power comes to make what you make every day. Listen, you can say all that. Well, I made this. Uh, there's a lot you didn't make to help you to make that. Right. And at any moment, God could have taken any of it away and you wouldn't have been have the ability to make what you think you make. It all belongs to him. What am I saying? Without God, nothing, we wouldn't have anything anyway. Right. It all belongs to him. So just give it to him. Give it all to him. Give him your money to him. You, you mean I don't live on anything? No, I'm saying it is all his. It's all available for him to have the last say in what we do with it. I'll tell you what, this is, this is the, in, in, the, in the steps of a child of God becoming like Christ, this is one of the last steps and one of the hardest steps is for God to get all of our money. Yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? Say, well, I'll, I'll trust you for eternity, but boy, the money thing, isn't that, that's not dumb. I'll put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trusting him for my eternal existence, but oh, I don't know about that dollar. You really, you really want that too? <laughs> we're so dumb. That's why we're called sheep, right? right? We're so dumb. We really are. Yeah. It's his. It's his. So giving becomes a reflection of the heart. What we do with our money becomes a reflection of our heart. Second Corinthians 9, 7, For as a man purpose, purpose every, I'm sorry, every man according as he purposeth, that's a hard word, in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, but of or of necessity, but for God loveth a cheerful giver. Let me get the verse right. Goodness gracious. 
every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know how you become a cheerful giver? When you give it all to him anyway. When you understand that he owns it all. When you understand, God, I've given you my life, which means if I have trusted you with my life, if I've trusted you with all of my being, it includes uh, my money as well. It includes my possessions as well. It includes everything I have. A giver. I was had the privilege of saying a few graveside words at a family friend of ours who passed away just a few months ago. And it was a great privilege. It really was. He was a neighbor of ours. They were family friends of ours, friends for years of our, of our families. And uh, just a, uh, a beautiful example of a, of a life that had every, every normal struggle of the flesh like anybody else would. Said things probably shouldn't have always said. You know, uh, uh, made jokes that maybe he shouldn't have said that somebody didn't take so well. I mean, you know, just a, just a, a normal uh, uh, child of God. Born again. And one of the things that stood out to me the most about this man's life, yes, he probably read through his Bible literally over 117 times. I think I mentioned this to you in his lifetime since he had been a Christian. Read hours every day, you know, faithful in teaching his family the Word of God. Not perfect, but faithful, right? And uh, one of the greatest marks of his life, I think, that stood out to me the most was he was such a giver. Such a giver. Hey, could, could we borrow? Sure. Do you have? Yeah. Could I come over and get? Yep. Always. Always. I told my wife, I said, that has probably had more effect on me than I even realized. Because, you know, when you have really cool equipment, people always want to borrow it. Right? We had a neighbor, and he'd call it and say, hey, can I borrow a skid steer? Sure. And he, he said, well, that's great. And usually people don't let you borrow your equipment. I'm like, it's equipment. I don't know. I mean, it's old. It's going to break. It's gonna, I don't know. I just, but I realized, well, maybe that he had more of an impact than I realized. He was a giver. He was a giver. And one of the things I said at his graveside was this. You know, isn't that really one of the most beautiful marks of God in a person's life? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah. He was a giver. Does God have all of you? So he's got my heart. He's got my life. He, he's, he's got my time. Right. But it, does he have, do all of your possessions, everything that he's given you, do they belong to him? Where at any moment he could say, tell you what, would you go ahead and uh, do this with it? Now hold on a minute. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. When we get through with this move, we haven't, updated our faith promise missions but we'll do that and uh at times every year what would we do you you pray and you ask the lord to put in a put a put a, an amount on your heart of what you ought to give for missions that year and sometimes god puts an amount on your heart and you go i better make sure my wife says yes to this one no <laughs> no there's a time yeah you're going are you sure lord are you sure you know what helps in those decisions? Watch. When your money comes out of Egypt too. And it's all his. Yeah. 
The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? You know what I've noticed? And you've noticed this too. Those of you who have been giving to the Lord a long time, you've made this decision. Some of you in here, you have nailed this down a long time ago. Everything you have is God's. It's all His. And you know what you found out? You haven't lacked a thing, friend. Right? You haven't missed out on a thing. Life's been pretty good. The Lord's been pretty good. You've lived in a pretty great country for a long time. As bad as it is and the many as the problems that it, as it has, I still wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Yeah. It's the mercy and the grace of God. You know, you find out, well, still have a bank account, still have a house, still have an automobile, still have food. The world may look at it and say, you give how much? Right? Just it's his money. No, do you trust him that much? Yeah. No, sir. You cannot outgive him. Yeah. As the old preacher said, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills. <laughs> he owns it all. Yeah. Moses had a conviction. Moses had a conviction. He knew it was impossible for, leave, to, for them to leave their herds and their flocks behind in Egypt because giving is a part of worship. Yep. Listen, if you're not a giver, you are missing out on an aspect of worship. No, you, well, I, I come into church and I worship God. Well, a part of worshiping is, is, is giving. It's giving. Exodus 10, 25 and verse 26, look what it says. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. I love that. Not one hoof left behind. It's all coming out of Egypt with us. Man, I like that. Yeah. Got so excited I forget where I was at. There it is, the hoof. For therefore thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. Do you realize what he said here? We don't know what God's really even going to ask of us. Well, that's faith. So watch, we're just going to bring it all out. What is he saying? It's all available to God. We're bringing every last bit of it out, every hoof out, because we don't really know what he wants, and, and we just want to have everything available to him to make sure if he wants it all, he's going to get it all. Man, I like that. Yeah. Have you given everything to God? You said, this is Sunday school. You're preaching. I know. I wonder how much it would change our life if we just decided that he gets all of it. I wonder how many stresses and worries and fears flood our life because God just doesn't have all of it. Yeah, which stem from trust, right? You go over to the, over to Hebrews, uh, you know, because it says, uh, "Be content with such things as you have." Right? And uh, um, oh goodness, I'm going to lose the verse now. There's a wonderful, wonderful connection there. I got to find this. I got to read this to you about trusting Hebrews. Yeah, be content with such things as you have. I can't find it, but I remember it now. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right. Do you realize the leaving and the forsaking, the trust is connected to the, uh, the, to the, to the covetousness? Oh, my goodness, I've got I to gotta find this. It's in one of my other Bibles. I can turn right to it. 
Thank you, sister. 13.5. Look at that. Love it. Look at it. Let your conversation be without covetousness. There it is. Your lifestyle conversation. And be content with such things as you have. There's that beautiful colon that explains what that means next. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what your problem with covetousness is? You know what your problem with a lifestyle of covetousness is your lack of trust. And what did Jesus say? I won't leave you or forsake you. Because because we have the assurance that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us, there's really no need for the covetousness in our life. He'll take care of us. He's promised to. Yeah. Does he have it all? Everything. Every single hoof. Does God have it all? Everything we have really is small in contrast to God. Have you ever spent the time contemplating the size of the universe? How about just the size of the Milky Way galaxy? 120,000 light years across. A light year. What is a light year? Well, however far light travels in a year at 186,000 miles per second. 186,000 miles per second for a year times 120,000. That's just a Milky Way galaxy, which is of billions of galaxies within the universe. (laughs) Yeah. I like weird stuff like that. It makes my brain hurt. So does Jim. Yeah. So hold on a minute. The God who spoke all of that into existence in our little minuscule stuff that we have that doesn't show up on the strongest microscope, telescope, whatever you could find in the world, wouldn't even show up in the universe. And we go, no, mine, mine, mine. It's like, okay, have it. Right? It's like being on the beach and seeing an ant with one grain of sand being like, bye. Okay. I don't need your sand. Right? That's how we are with God, aren't we? It's convicting, friend. It really is. It's very small in contrast to God. But watch. It is an avenue of worship. Aren't you, God says, they that worship me must what? Worship in spirit and in truth. Worship means to ascribe worth to. And we ascribe, watch, in in our little world, money is attached to value and worth. And so watch this, we ascribe God's worth to us by what we do with our money in relation to Him. Watch, we we ascribe worth, our God's worth to us, us is manifest by what we do with our money to Him. Man, is it quiet. 
Our giving tells us how much God is worth to us. Our missions tells us how much the lost world that God died for is worth to us. The things we purchase with our money that may be ungodly show us how much God is worth to us. What is, what is worship? Worship consists of three things. Time, energy, and money. Time, energy, and money. And the, listen, the things in our life that we put the most time, energy, and money to are the things that we worship in our life. Some people worship their children. So some people worship their job. Some people worship their cat. <laughs> yeah. Some people worship Now you're meddling. Some people worship their dog. I don't worship my dog. <clears throat> Time, energy, and money. Hey, watch. Some people worship God. <laughs> Shouldn't that be just a, like, that should be a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Time, energy, money. This is what Moses did. He realized that giving was a part of their worship, and it was a reflection of their heart. And he said, no, none of it's staying in Egypt. Not one hoof. God gets it all. Every last bit of it. Does it mean I don't buy anything for myself? No. That's not what it means. Does it mean I go live like a, you know, some monk out in the woods? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in heart and attitude, everything that God uh, enables us to, to gain and to, and to, uh, uh, and to uh, get by labor and, and however means, that whatever comes into, the, into our bank account, into our possession, we have this heart and attitude and realization that it's His. And at any given time, He can say, no, yes, let's put that over there. Oh, here's a need. So-and-so has a need. Would you, would you take care of that, please? Listen, if when we realize it's His money, it's not like, no. It's like, okay. Are you tracking with me? Okay. That means we can stop. How do you like that? You see? I'm not, I only ask that at the end, not at the beginning. Satan is, listen, Satan's constantly trying to pull us away. He's tr- constantly trying to get us to compromise. He is constantly tempting us to conform to the world, to compromise, to, 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 corrupt, to corrupt what God is has done and what God has made and to concede and try to say, eh, you know, I'll give you all of this, but I'm going to keep this. Let's remember what Moses did and when he said, no, 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 no. Nope. Nah. Eh, let me think about it. Nope. Not going to do it. Let's get that. Let's just get that, that fortitude, huh? Let's not let, allow Satan to bring us into the bondage of the world that we were saved out of again. Yeah. After Jesus had had 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, 
fasting. Of course, Satan came to him because he's a lowlife. And he came to him at the weakest point he could. And because he himself is weak and had to wait until he thought Jesus was at his weakest. See, that's how self-deceived Satan is. He's such an idiot. You know, it's like, okay, his physical body is at its weakest point. But God is indwelling that body, you dope. (laughs) Right? But hey, that's what he thought. And he came to him at his weakest time. And he said, if thou be the son of God. Satan loves ifs. And hath God said. And questions. He loves to question. If thou be the son of God. Now he's going to tempt him. He's going to turn the tables on him. Make him prove himself. Command that these stones be made bread. What did Jesus do? It is written. You like that? It's a great outline for us, isn't it? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What did Jesus do? He gave us a beautiful example of what to do when temptation comes. Go to the word of God and just give it right to him. And say, sorry, God said. Sorry, my father said. No. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Nancy Reagan, didn't she have a whole, remember that? Just say no. Yeah. Come on, little kid, you want some candy? Jump in the van, we got candy. Uh, no. No, that's what Satan is. He's the, here's the weirdo driving around in the van trying to get you in the van to give you candy, right? <laughs> and you just say, uh, no, my, my mom said no. My dad said no. I can't do that. Run. Run from Satan. Run. Actually, the Bible says if you resist the devil and uh, he will flee from you. He'll do the running if you just resist him. So hold on to the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Know it. Know it. This is why it's so imperative that we memorize the Word of God and know the Word of God and have it ready for us because temptation will come and the temptation is always to bring us back into the bondage of this world that we once knew. And we just need to have the fortitude and... uh, and the belief that, like Moses did, and just, just say no. May God help us today in these areas of temptation. Let's not be of those. Yeah, I know, there's a lot of compromise out there. I get it. But listen, just because it's everywhere doesn't mean we have to compromise. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Yeah. Father, thank you for your word today. And uh, God, would you help us and teach us? And Lord, maybe, maybe leave here today with a with a greater and a deeper conviction and a belief and an understanding and a heart that everything we have belongs to you. Lord, I know we forget this sometimes. We, we get away from this at times. But we, may, we, may you just uh, stir up that right attitude in us, in the belief and, 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 and that, that, that everything we have is yours, every to the last hoof. And Lord, that it's available to you to do whatever you wish with it we'd worship you, that we would ascribe the worth that you are to us, that we'd be ready to ascribe to that worth through what we possess. So, Father, we thank you for what you're going to do today. Pray for the service coming up. Lord, would you bless, please? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you in just a little bit.